Hello, sunshine. Hello, sunshine. Hello, sunshine. Gotta make hay while the sun shines. What's this? This is Hello, Sunshine. What if by sharing our stories, we could change the world? Welcome to Hello, Sunshine. Hi, everyone. I'm Maeve Higgins, and this is My Best Breakup, the show about the breakups that transform our lives. Now, sometimes relationships can feel like addictions. You know it's not healthy. Your friends tell you that you need to quit. There are signs everywhere telling you to move on, but you just can't do it. You can't quit. You can't break up. For my guest this week, she was literally addicted to cigarettes. I sat down with Connie Lim, a singer and songwriter who performs under the name Milk. You probably know her from her gorgeous song, Quiet. That song blew up after she performed it at last year's Women's March in Washington, D.C. Connie's music really resonates with people who feel out of place in the world. And feeling out of place was kind of the thing that led her to cigarettes in the first place. And I get that. I absolutely understand the lure of cigarettes. You know, I used to smoke. It's kind of unlikely because, I don't know, I don't seem like a smoker, but I smoked for, I think, about 11 11 or 12 years. In case you're wondering why I talk this way. No, I I don't think it affected my voice. I don't know. But I know that I had to break up with cigarettes because I had a medical condition. That was the only thing that like finally stopped my addictive relationship with cigarettes. I got this thing called Graves disease and the doctor warned me that if I kept smoking, it would make my eyes bulge out of my head. So I really, really had to. But I'm really glad I did because, you know, it's expensive, it's gross and it stinks. Connie and I are similar in many ways. We both have beautiful singing voices. I apologize for that. And she and I both started smoking when we were 18. And it was not love at first sight for either one of us. The first time was kind of this awkward, like, oh, that's gross. Mm -hmm. But the second time was very good. (laughs) Um, I was on the front porch of uh, one of my college apartments and one of my college friends was there. It was a rainy day. Oh, and I was listening to Massive Attack, the teardrop song. That's when I first discovered that song. So I was listening to my headphones and we were just like kind of sitting and idling and watching the rain. And and then, um, you know, we had our our 18 year old stresses of college and classes and it was like a moment and we smoked and it was glorious. (laughs) It sounds like you're describing falling in love for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think it was. Yeah, that was it. Why do you think you did smoke that second cigarette considering the first one is gross? And I remember the first one being disgusting, too. I was like. Oh, this is just like licking ash. Like the taste is horrible. <laughs> the feeling of like burn in my mouth and throat and like, I, but I kept, I was determined to keep it up. Why did you, why did you go again? Just like licking ash. <laughs> licking ash, I should say. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say it's a, a way to escape. I think any way to escape at that moment felt very attractive to me and I was like maybe I'll try this again and also my college friend who who gave me the cigarette was also like super charismatic and cool and very calming to be around mm-hmm. and I was like oh, okay this is like what we're gonna do you know um and uh and it was good company and it was quiet you know and I, I enjoyed that uh, especially during you know college years can be really crazy sure and it's funny what you said about like that it's a look and that you, your friend 
like it kind of went with them, like it went with their persona and it was, yeah, it was cool. And I mean, that's the whole thing about smoking. I just, when I was coming into the studio, there was a guy cycling by and he, he's, first of all, his hands were not on the handlebars, which is so cool. And there was like a cigarette <laughs> dangling from his lips. And I was just like, what, what can I do? Like, he's very cool. And I was thinking that I was coming in to chat to you. So what about the look? Like, did you want to change your image or? I think there's a sense of like, I grew up in such a uh, conservative and kind of like perfect type of childhood where, you know, the goal, the average goal of our high school was like for to at, at least, quote unquote, get into UCLA. You know, it was mm-hmm. like if you were of note, you were getting into Harvard, you know, and, and mm-hmm. MIT. And it was that type of that type of high school. Um, there were so many good things about it, too. But it, there was a lot of pressure to be perfect. Yeah. And because my sister <clears throat> was a certified genius, she gra- she got into med school at age 16. Oh, great. And so I came after her. <laughs> I was like, great. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Annie. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't a certified genius like her. I was more artistic and emotional. And, and, you know, I, well, I guess I don't need to say emotional. I just like a little, I was just, I thought differently. Yeah. Right. And so, I always tried to make up for it. I knew that my sister took 11 APs in high school. So I was like, <gasps> okay, that, that means I have to take 11 APs. So I did take 11 APs while also trying to be myself. Um, and like, so I was like ASB president and I was like in Girl Scouts. And then I was, wow. started a club called Human Club and we would like volunteer foster care places. I was like constantly trying to prove that I was enough because I didn't have that genius label. Um, and I was like, I don't know, I'm genius. And I think I developed a fear of being mediocre. And so I filled my plate with so many things. And like from the outside, I knew I appeared like, you know, little Miss Stepford because I was like ASB president and mm-hmm. homecoming queen and these different things. But inside I was so empty. And so the cigarette between my fingers was kind of like a middle finger to all of that time of trying so hard Mm -hmm. and also being like, I'm also like just sad inside too sometimes. Like even if I, (laughs) you know, even if I did do all of the, the like quote unquote right things in high school. First of all, that list of stuff that you were doing would make me exhausted and I'm a grown-up person. You were like (laughs) a child who was volunteering. I know, I'm exhausted too. A child who set up a a club called Human Club who then volunteered in foster care. (laughs) What? (laughs) I know, I'm I'm still recovering. (laughs) It's exhausting. So, and also just so... um, you know, positive, everything sounded like it was so like, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to help and I'm going to be so good. But then smoking, it's literally written on the packet like this kills. This is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's probably the subconscious desire to like balance it all out a little bit or something. You know, it definitely was rebellion, but I had so much anxiety and cigarettes are just such a great way of uh, escaping for for a while, and then it becomes an addiction, and yeah. it, it starts starts becoming less sexy after a while. Was there anything else that gave you that break or that feeling apart from cigarettes? Um, performing mm-hmm. on stage, uh, singing on stage, uh, gives me that feeling of nothing else matters, and it's just this particular moment. Were you doing that at the time? I was, I was, yeah, and I. But I had a I had a conflicted uh, 
perspective about being a performer because I was actually at UC Berkeley studying to be a doctor um, to, you know, follow my my dad in his footsteps and my sister in her footsteps. Oh. And then I was like, oh, well, I don't really like studying chemistry, so that's a problem. I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off. I'm just like, was that? does that mean that the same time you started smoking was when you were studying to be a doctor, like a, a medical doctor? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I've heard that it's pretty common oh for, for doctors to smoke cigarettes. <laughs> I know it's a thing. Oh, my God. Because um, they, they know their limitations. They're like, it's not so bad yet, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. You mentioned that you had already started singing. And now, I mean, that's how I know you through your voice, your amazing songs and like... Did it affect your your voice and your singing? I am lucky in that my voice, you know, it is pretty resilient. I, I trained with opera when I was younger, so it's like a dancer training with ballet and then learning hip hop later. I learned I learned pop and soul afterwards, and so I had certain techniques and stuff. And so it didn't quite. I mean, if anything, uh, some singers and this is some singers choose to smoke to get a raspy tone, but I think that can all be acquired through just uh, training and figuring out how to mold the shape of your throat as you sing. There's ways to imitate. I mean, that seems like such a destructive path to go down. <laughs> like I started off, yeah. like I started as a comedian and I still do comedy. But that to me would like, that would be like me seeking out a bad childhood like just for material to make jokes about <laughs> do you know what I mean like, totally just something yes. that hurts me so that I can use it for my art it's just like no oh my gosh and I was just talking um about this last night like what is the balance between seeking out that pain or not seeking it out but you know if we have pain that we didn't choose to experience in our lives we can turn that into power and it can fuel us with our art um, and there's such a fine balance because there is this thought like, you know, artist, the tortured artist, right? The artist who's tortured maybe has a really hard life, but he or she creates amazing art from it. And I almost see sometimes yeah. it, there's this moment with artists like, okay, so do I seek this out? Like, should I yeah. seek out the trouble and the pain so I can write about it, you know? Yeah. The older I get and the more I like write and perform... I like don't believe that anymore <laughs> and I yeah. that you have to be unhappy and you have to be tormented. I think you can still yes. be like a bit unhappy and a bit tormented but you can kind of strive for some form of contentment and actually making things helps with that. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. I was in a really um healthy and beautiful relationship for 5 years and mm -hmm. um and I, I remember in the beginning of the relationship I was like, "Wait, I'm happy right now. How is this going to affect my art? <laughs> and I was like legitimately concerned. But actually, you know, with that healthy relationship, I was able to flourish. Actually, it was like the most productive and like explorative time for my creative life. Yeah. But I did, I did, you know, express, I did excavate the pain that I felt as a child, you know. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's like a balance, like not seeking it out, but maybe just taking the pain that we involuntarily ex experience into making it into something beautiful. How long did you end up smoking for? Uh, I hope my mom never hears this podcast. Um, <laughs> I won't tweet it at her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think 12 years. Yeah. No, no, 13 years. 13, 13 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. 
So Connie and her love affair with cigarettes have been going strong for 13 years. And I don't need to tell you this, but a relationship with smoking is so hard to quit because you're literally addicted to it. So Connie actually had to break up with smoking twice. I had two big breakups. The first breakup was when I was in that healthy, beautiful relationship. My partner, he was really, um, he was very concerned about my health. And so it was like done for him in a sense. So I actually was able to like stop cold turkey for I think three years. And then our relationship was like starting to go again on the rocks. And then my life changed. I got really busy Mm -hmm. and there's stress that I hadn't learned to manage yet. And Mm -hmm. I was figuring it out. And so I turned to cigarettes again. So actually this breakup, I I, I broke up with cigarettes again. And but this time was for me. Um, So this one feels more. It just feels way deeper and rooted. It's Mm -hmm. not because I'm doing it for somebody else. What was um, the lowest low of the kind of breakup and the quitting process? I literally can picture myself in the kitchen looking at like my bottle of Jameson and then also like there were, there's candy, like chocolate and stuff and just looking at that mm-hmm. and then knowing my weight gain and stuff and that moment of like, gosh, I can't keep relying on external things to take care of me. You know, that's a story of my life. But, you know, just really coming to terms with the fact that um, I have been a smoker for a long time mm-hmm. and... You know, because I'd be like, oh, I'm not really a smoker. Like, I was, like, totally denying it. It's like when a relationship goes bad, it's like, no, we're fine, we're fine, we're totally fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's, like, this creeping, uh, we're gonna work it out. creeping sense of doom. Yeah, yeah. And just, like, coming to terms with it and being alone in it mm-hmm. is, it was probably the hardest. I think the weight gain and then, like, gaining that weight and, you know, whatever. Like, I don't care if I gain weight, but it's because I knew it was because it was an emotional crutch. Just like knowing that I was trying to numb something was very troubling to me because as an artist, uh, it's best if I'm really upfront about how I feel because that's when the best art comes forward. So breaking up with cigarettes was really hard. Connie found herself in a rebound relationship with those other tricky vices, sugar and alcohol, which is incidentally what I'm going to name my twins. But she also found out the root of why she was in that relationship with cigarettes in the first place. And thank goodness she did. Because in the aftermath of the breakup, she had space to create a song that resonated certainly with me and I think with a lot of us during the Women's March. I wrote Quiet at the end of 2015. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this was during my first breakup with cigarettes. Yeah, that song was a, a byproduct of all the work I was doing to like try to figure out why I kept running for myself. And so all of the all of the things started coming out, you know, mm-hmm. my frustration with the culture gap between my family and I, uh, frustration of like expectations on what a woman should be, uh, frustrations of like how people perceived me um, in the music industry, and also frustrations of like what a shy girl is, is perceived to be as well Mm -hmm. um in this world also you know the the title of being a shy girl was also because I didn't know how to speak out for myself so you know my therapist pointed out she's like you have such a big voice on stage but off stage you have no voice for yourself like you don't speak up for yourself you don't set boundaries with your family or with your friends Mm -hmm. she's like you have to find a way to have a voice in your real life and it just that hit me so hard um, because I did spend most of my life using music as a way of creating this heroine, this like 
this amazing, strong person, this idea, and then I would be that on stage. And that's how I escaped. You know, that was another way of, like, escaping my own life. I can't keep Realizing that I didn't have any voice in my personal life mm-hmm. was very humbling because I felt so much strength. But literally, I remember in college, I was like, no one's going to listen to me unless I sing. Mm. Um, and so I leaned on my art so much for everything that it wasn't healthy. So it sounds like you were breaking up with like so much in your life at that same time, like the same time that you were breaking up with cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe cigarettes is just like a the manifestation of so many other things. What do you think that like breaking up with smoking has made space for in your life? More curiosity, um, which is so valuable, especially being a woman in her 30s or just an adult, a human in my 30s. And I'm going to eventually be 40, hopefully, and hopefully 50, then 60. And I want to have curiosity be a big force in my life because it allows me to learn and and grow and challenge myself. Smoking cigarettes, any type of numbing agency just allows for me to be content with what I'm not truly content with, right? Like if I'm not happy with how my life is going, I'm going to drink or I'm going to have cigarettes and it just helps me deal with the humdrum of what I'm not happy with in general. Mm -hmm. So if I take that away, then I'm like, oh gosh, I have to live with this pain. And then it then the human mind will go, well, I don't want to live with this pain. What can I do outside of just numbing agents to change my life? And then that leads to curiosity. It's like, okay, well, how do I do that? How do I change my life? So that's been a, a big a big thing for me. And yeah, and it's, it's led to a whole new phase of breakups. I just ended a relationship of five years, you know, and he was the love of my life. But I ended up finding myself growing to a point, you know, where I just am not sure if that's the right life for me. And Mm. he was perfect. Um, He is perfect in many ways. Uh, But uh, it was just two months ago, actually. Uh And it's led to this breakup. And but that's okay, you know, and and the practice of breaking up with cigarettes before and other things has given me the tools, like even though it's so hard, you know, now um, I'm I'm finding more of who I am, and I think really I'm I'm really interested in finding more of my truth. And I think the relationship eventually became something I needed to leave, and that's okay. There'll be plenty more breakups too. <laughs> I know. I definitely hear what you're saying about like when you put down the things that are sort of like keeping you quiet, then mm-hmm. there's all this other stuff that's like being brought to your attention, and that you can actually pay attention to but I wonder about like the small moments like what what really struck me was when you were saying oh like just socially if you're feeling weird at a party you can kind of exit and smoke and like nobody thinks that's a strange thing to do yeah now that I don't smoke anymore I think what I do is like I go on my phone (laughs) like if I'm Mm -hmm. feeling awkward I just like look at my phone so like in small moments like that what do you do do you just kind of like brace yourself and like talk to a stranger or how does it how does it look? Now I just, man, breathing. So important. Really? Like, okay, say it. Okay, let's take a deep breath right now. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, let's breathe in. 
hopefully everyone listening to the podcast also did it. And then and then we realized like, oh, wow, I haven't really been doing deep breathing at all. Like my breathing might have been pretty, pretty shallow at this moment. Mm-hmm. And um, so the deep breathing and then also having a sense of humor. Like sometimes <laughs> I look at myself, I'm like, <laughs> like I'm taking myself so seriously yeah. right now. <laughs> yes. um, I'm trying to like make it funny. Yeah, it's true because also when I get into my head... I think that like everyone can see that. So I think that like whoever else at the party is like looking at me like, oh, the poor girl, what's she going to do now? Whereas they're just like thinking around their own stuff. (laughs) Yeah, they're also being like, what is everyone else thinking? It's so funny. (laughs) That's what I remind myself of too, is like we're all just like, we all, this is such my hippiest thought ever, but it's like we all want to be loved and we all want to be seen and heard and we all have a fear of not belonging. And so um, (laughs) I take comfort in that fear that everyone has. (laughs) So has it been a clean break? Like, have you ever been tempted to, to smoke? Again. Oh, definitely. I've definitely been tempted, especially with like friends that I I used to like smoke a lot with, mm. you know. And so I've had conscious conversations with them like, hey, I know like we built a lot of our friendship around the cigarette thing, but let's try something new. Like, let's go walk, you know, and and, uh, yeah. and some of my friends haven't quit yet. And so that that can sometimes be more difficult, but we just find other things to do, like cook or play music or go for a walk. And like, it doesn't sound like any other vices have kind of crept in for you this time around. Like you seem to have a lot of clarity and you're making other decisions. And like, is that fair to say? You're not like on amphetamines right now or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me just take some of these pills. Connie! Um, <laughs> um, no, yeah, no. I There's no substance uh, addiction. I'm now looking at just my patterns with people, with relationships and mm-hmm. my addiction to the phone, different things like that. Yeah. I'm just like really trying to make more space for clarity. And so because I've been able to get break free from some of the the surface addictions, now I can look at other ones and just because I just want to I want to be clear with why I do what I do. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be. Uh, uh, like a slave to to fear and I think most of this just comes from fear so so do you have any words of wisdom for people who are trying to to quit oh yeah uh one day at a time and Mm -hmm. forgiveness is good and not taking it too seriously um like not taking yourself too seriously of course like your health is is great to take seriously but um yeah Thinking about forever and the word quit is the word quit is very intense. So like right. if there's another word that you want to use, it's just like I'm going to take step a step away from cigarettes. I think breaking up with is quite good. Breaking up, breaking up with is great. <laughs> I like that. You know? Yeah. Because, um, you know, sometimes we have those breakups where you then like you, you go and see him again at like 3 a.m. <laughs> and, you know, three weeks later and you're like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. And that's OK. You know? <laughs> You're like, I didn't say I quit. (laughs) One last little cuddle. One last cuddle with the tobacco. (laughs) Um, And also, what, like, instead of focusing on what you're giving up, also focus on what you're bringing in. Like, like I had, I have more space for curiosity now, which I think is the currency for a really beautiful life. And I'm really excited about that. So I think about that. Oh, that's, Yeah. yeah. Connie, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. 
I want to get that on a bumper sticker. Even though I don't drive, I'll put it on the subway. Curiosity is the currency for a beautiful life. I'm so glad Connie was able to face her fears, her anxieties, and to find new ways to release that tension so that she could find her curiosity again. Can you imagine if we never got to hear her song, Quiet? I think it's time to go and listen to that on repeat. My guest this week was Connie Lim, aka Milk. You can find her on Instagram at Milk Music, and there's a C in there. It's M-I-L-C-K. And for more about this show, head over to our website, hello-sunshine.com. We'll be back next week with another story about breaking up and moving on. Next week, we're talking about breaking up with Jesus. That's right, the big guy himself with Kelly Dunham. Kelly's an incredible comedian and she's a nurse and she used to be a nun. I always was obsessed with nuns. I remember the first time I heard that they wore wedding rings. I just like, I would follow nuns around. Um, Do they? Yeah, they wear wedding rings because they're married to Jesus. Most nuns do, yeah. Use hashtag MyBestBreakup and tell us about your best breakup. Who knows, maybe you'll be next on our show. And make sure to subscribe and review applepodcast.com slash breakup or wherever you listen to podcasts. My Best Breakup is a production of Hello Sunshine. It's executive produced by Amy S. Choi, Charlotte Coe, Rebecca Lair and Reese Witherspoon. Senior producer is Lindsay Cradowell and sound design is by Jocelyn Gonzalez and Samantha Gatsek. Music is composed by Jeff Tang. Production support by Shelby Sandlin and Mary Philip Sandy. I hear stories of like old people who are like, I've been smoking since I was seven years old. Or so. I've been smoking since I was nine. <laughs> With that exact voice. In that, I like that yes, voice. of course. Just <laughs> A, a little old lady. That's what she's saying to me you on the bus. Just do the whole podcast with that voice. <laughs> Both of them. So, Connie Lim, tell me a story. <laughs>